All right. Well, I want to say hello to everybody, and uh, God bless you folks for being here. And uh, today was our first day of our uh, life group uh, meeting, uh, care groups, and uh, so uh, God bless you for being. And there were so many people, I was just thrilled with that. And uh, so if you'd like to be a part of that, you're welcome to. Uh, we can get you into a group anytime, and you say, well, what is that? And, uh, well, we meet at a quarter till, so we just meet for 20 minutes or so, and uh, unless you're long-winded and you're, uh, you want to sit around, and, uh, but, uh, and some did, which is great. Uh, <laughs> I'm thrilled with that, actually, but it's a connection point where you can actually get to know some people a little bit, and uh, it's just a moment uh, that we spend before the services. And uh, part of it is to talk about things and prayer requests with one another. And then part of it is to read some of the text uh, for the day. And uh, part of it is just say we're going to quiet our heart before services. And we're going to say this is the direction we're going. And uh, I'm going to ask God to speak to us. So um, if you'd like to be a part of that, we'd love to have you. And uh, so you can be thinking about that. Um, I wanted to do something uh, here in a little bit. Um, I got a, I got a surprise. We're going to do it in a little bit, but uh, I'm working on something here. Uh, but uh, I happen to notice in our congregation today is Justin Rhodes. Uh, Justin Rhodes came to our church when uh, over at the other one, and he was a smaller kid, and uh, his mom and dad were uh, uh, had surrendered to be missionaries. And uh, they uh, had done a wonderful job uh, down in uh, Guatemala, or El Salvador, okay, and uh, just did a tremendous job and got a sense, uh, brought them to Topeka, and they are uh, working in Topeka, but uh, Justin has now surrendered his life to the mission field as well. And uh, I asked him if he wouldn't mind taking a couple minutes and kind of talking about what the Lord's doing in your life. Amen. Well, thanks. What a privilege to be with you guys. Uh, I just want to start off and say thank you for supporting missions. Um, if you had given to missions while you supported my parents, you got to be a part of thousands of people coming to Christ every year. My parents were in El Salvador. Uh, they got to be a part of a ministry that just went gangbuster and um, has seen you know over 10,000 people saved in the last decade, which is just absolutely amazing to see what God is doing around this world. Uh, I'm super excited. I was on staff in Topeka, Kansas for four years, and God put a burden on my heart to go to London, right? A city we're all pretty much familiar with. Some people have probably visited there. Uh, if you watch the news this week, it'll show up. Uh, I'm just so ecstatic to be able to go to a place, one where I don't need language school. I can start day one telling people about Jesus. That's huge. Uh, and to a place where there can be an impact that reaches beyond that city. As you can imagine, you know, reaching a city in America, there's, there's money and influence that can go around the world, like your church here in Baldwin is affecting all corners of the world through missions. That can happen again in London, and I'm so excited for that. And you know, to be able to represent Kansas uh, in another country is great. Most people only know Wizard of Oz, so I'm going to expand their vocabulary a little bit. Um, they think they know the royals, uh, but I'm going to introduce them to the real royals. Uh, and, and all that fun stuff. But, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I get an opportunity to work with another uh, missionary family. Uh, we're going to spend our time helping existing British churches get better. Uh, we'll be doing a lot of pulpit filling with churches that don't have any pastors. 
um, helping those churches kind of get into the steps of how do we get a pastor? How do we turn this around? How do we go from just five people every week um, to getting lost people in our doors again? Um, and then on top of that, we'll be starting our own churches um, and just being able to see new lights pop up all around this city. Uh, what, a, what a tremendous thing, right? A city where there's 9.8 million people and 9 million claim to not trust in Jesus. You know, they claim to not have anything to do with Jesus. And so it, it is ripe for the picking. There are thousands of people in London who would accept Christ like that if they just simply heard the story. But the problem is, is there's no one there to tell them the story of Jesus, which is crazy to me growing up in Kansas. You know, everyone at least knows of Jesus. Most reject him, but to understand that there are people who've never heard, uh, and I get an opportunity to do that if I can get enough churches behind me uh, to send me over. Uh, Lord willing, I'll be there next January, hitting the ground with about a hundred thousand things to do. We've we've already got a you know about thirty churches that are looking forward to us getting there to start helping them, uh, and then getting our own church up and running uh, within a, hopefully a year or two of being there. And so I'm really excited for that. If you hear London on the news or you watch a Disney movie in the next week, um, remember to pray for the people in London. Uh, they need Jesus desperately and we can make a big impact by sending uh, the gospel to them. So thank you guys. All right. Thank you, Justin. I really appreciate having a, a missionary kid who grew up on the field and uh, saying, you know what, that's what God wants me to do in my life, too. So uh, I really appreciate that. And I, do you remember his mom sending, uh, some of you remember his mom sending these emails that said, and I thought that was so great, and you ought to do this. Uh, she would send a little letter and said, would you take a minute out to pray for us or take 10 minutes to pray for us? at this time. And it was just really a pointed question. And the answer is either yes or no, you know. And so, and if you say yes, you got to do it. And so she was able to get so many people to pray for her and uh, their ministry there. And I just thought that was really wonderful. And uh, so, um, and his, his dad has actually written some really neat things. Matter of fact, he, uh, his master's thesis uh, is something that I've got and I really enjoyed too in terms of uh, how to reach out to uh, community as well. And so he's done some good writing on that. So anyway, Justin, good to have you today. God bless you. And, and uh, we pray the Lord would bless your ministry as well. Okay. Here's the thing that I want to do. Um, we've got some that are, that are sick and uh, they're not able to, uh, to be here. And uh, so they watch us on the Facebook. And uh, so, uh, but Gail and Cheryl have not been able to be here for a little while, especially Gail. And so uh, I've asked uh, Ben to uh, widen out the screen so that uh, everybody can be seen or most of us can be seen. And uh, I was wondering if you wouldn't mind, as he watches the services every week, if everyone would stand, turn around to the camera and say hello to Gail, okay? I told him, I said, I'm going to have everybody say hello to you. And so he laughed. So everybody stand on the count of three. One, two, three. Hello, Gail. Cheryl. God bless you. We're praying for you. Get better. All right. Thank you. <laughs> I know you're thinking, this is the weirdest church I've ever been to in my life. <laughs> well, God bless you for that. And uh, we are praying for Gail. And uh, it's uh, he's uh, had a long road, uh, but he's speaking in sentences again and uh, actually doing pretty well. 
and uh, so a little stronger each and every day. Uh, in our opening prayer here this morning, we will also be praying for Jeff and Jean uh, Widener, the wonderful couple. And I tell you, sickness has just hit them so bad. And so we want to pray for Jeff and Jean uh, today as well. And uh, so we will do that. Tonight we have missionaries uh, that are going to report back to us. We support them. And uh, the way it works is missionaries get support over in a foreign field. And then about once every three or four years, uh, they will hop on a plane and they'll come back to all the supporting churches, just like in the book of Acts, and uh, come back and say, hey, this is what we've been up to. And uh, it, it enables us to pray for them more. And we're able to see video and, and uh, pictures of what they're doing and get a firsthand report. And so we have a missionary that's reporting to us tonight. And so he will be here at 6 o'clock. So if you have the ability to come back at 6, we'd love to have you. And uh, we'll find out what the, uh, the Daniels uh, have been up to. So I'm going to have a word of prayer and ask the Lord to bless. And uh, we'll get right into the Word of God. Heavenly Father, we bow our heads and close our eyes in reverence to you. And we begin our service today, and we want to say thank you for the good people that are here. And I thank you, Lord, for them choosing to worship you at Lighthouse Baptist Church. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless our time. And we, we take this moment where we open up the Word of God very seriously, and uh, we enjoy it. We enjoy being taught um, through your words and through your, a message that you give. So we pray, Lord, that uh, you would bless with your Holy Spirit here. May your Holy Spirit find uh, open hearts, willing hearts to be touched. And so, Lord, open my heart. Prepare me, Father, for the message that you have for me. And we'll thank you, Lord, for it. I pray for Russ and Sylvia Daniels, that you would bless them as they come here tonight. I pray that we'd have good fellowship with them and that we could be an encouragement to them. I pray, Lord, that uh, you would bless Gail and Cheryl. Pray, Father, for Jeff and Jean and the sickness in their home. And it's just been a tough thing to get over, and I'm sure there might be discouragement. So I pray for your encouraging hand to be upon that uh, wonderful family and just watch over them uh, today as well. So thank you again, Father, for the blessing of the day and for this week. In Jesus' name we praise you. Amen. Amen. All right, turn your Bible, if you wouldn't mind, to uh, Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, beautiful passage of Scripture. And uh, as we get into this, some of you who came before, you hopefully you were asked the question, how does God view sinners? How does God view the addicted? How does God view the cursor, the ungodly, the unbeliever? How does God view the lost? What's his opinion? Uh, is it like, oh, you... You better get it right, buddy, because I'm, I'm coming for you. And uh, when I get my hands on you, you're going to be sorry. Is that what he's thinking in heaven? I mean, is that his position? Is that his philosophy? What exactly is his uh, position toward the unbeliever? You know, it's important to know these things. It's important to understand the God that we serve, right, about how God feels about this. So in this chapter, uh, Luke chapter 15, Jesus happened to be eating with uh, and hanging out with tax collectors, hate them, IRS, and, he'd been, and he was hanging out with uh, other sinners, right? And so the religious 
had a view or a philosophy or a thought of how God looked at them, and then they tried to emulate that, and that is he looks at them with disdain. And so uh, anyone who hung out with those kind of people, uh, they said, look at him. And boy, you can just uh, you can just see in verse number one and two, you can sense the disdain dripping from the words that they spoke. Verse two, the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Oh, my goodness. They were aghast that Jesus would hang out with these kind of people. So Jesus says, I want to tell you three stories. And in these three stories, if you pay attention to the three stories, you'll know how I feel about these people that I'm eating with, about these people that are sinners, the vile, and uh, you'll understand how I feel about them. So uh, he uh, uh, tells them three stories. So the first story has to deal with uh, verse number nine, uh, verse number four, I'm sorry. Uh, he talks about the lost sheep and the shepherd relationship, right? What man of you having a hundred sheep, if you lose one of them, doth not he leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? Jesus is wanting them to enter into the emotions of a shepherd who's just lost one sheep. It's just one. He's got a hundred, right? But he's just lost one but there's an emotional thing that happens. It triggers within a shepherd, and it's just like, it's gone. I wonder where he's at. I wonder what kind of trouble he's at. Where is he at? Is he in danger right now? Is he going to come back? Will he find his way back? Where'd he go? There's something that is triggered within the mind of a shepherd that has a 100 sheep but has lost one. The Bible says that he's going to go after that which is lost, verse 5, and when he hath found it, he layeth it upon his shoulders and uh, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends, his neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. Okay? So uh, he said, just like the shepherd was thrilled. Come on, neighbors, I found my sheep. Why don't we just have a little party together? He says, it's the exact same thing when God sees one that comes and repents, right? That's what he says. And so in verse 7, he, he identifies the metaphor, the parable, and he said, this is, and likewise, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over 99 just persons that need no repentance. What a wonderful illustration. What a wonderful way for God to rip back the, uh, the throne of heaven and be able to enter right into the emotions and the feelings and the thoughts of God himself towards somebody who had gotten off, off the path and who had gotten themselves into sin. And by the way, uh, to understand the metaphor, it's really a beautiful one. Uh, in the fact that sheep are about the stupidest animal you'd ever want to meet in your life. If indeed they, there is survival of the fittest, there would be, sheep would be extinct if it were not for mankind interjecting for them. They have been known to actually drown when a flood comes through and there's higher ground right there available. They just kind of wander into the rushing water and they get swept away and they drown. Uh, they are possibly one of the most defenseless animals in the animal kingdom. 
and they are somewhat noted for their stupidity. And uh, I'm not offended by the illustration that Jesus gives. Uh, probably very true. Just look at our political system today, and they were, it's pretty true, right? And so uh, we uh, are kind of crazy sometimes. Uh, the truth is, is that sheep have no chance whatsoever when it comes to surviving in this world without help. And that's a pretty good analogy for you and I. We have no hope, no chance for any kind of a spiritual thing happening to us to get one step closer to God without some help. And so we need help as well. Uh, and so the lost are the same. Without his help, they'd never be able to obtain heaven. Uh, so if you happen to think in your mind and you've got this vision of God uh, up above in heaven saying, I can't wait to punish that guy. Look how far off the path he is. Look how lost he is. Look how close he is to that bramble bush. Look at that wolf creeping up on him. He's going to get what he deserves. That is the wrong image of God. It's actually the opposite. God is, his heart is towards us. His emotions are, are toward us. His love is toward us. And he wants you found is the truth of the matter. And so Jesus loves the lost. He cares about the lost sinner, the unbeliever, the ungodly. And uh, he has come and he comes to help them like a shepherd would uh, to a lost sheep. And so Jesus has, has shown us that that's his desire. He will come to them, and, uh, and, uh, and he will do everything that he can. He cares for them. He loves them. I like what Peter wrote. Peter wrote uh, a couple of epistles, right? First and second Peter. And in First Peter uh, chapter 3, verse 18, this is a good one. Uh, and it kind of talks about what Christ did for us. Christ left heaven itself. He stepped down out of heaven. Why? To help some lost sheep is what he did. Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. Why? That he might bring us to God. First Peter 3.18. That's a great passage right there. Um, and so that's what he did for us. So if you ever wonder how he feels about the lost sheep and that kind of thing, that here's what it is. He cares about the lost sheep. That's how he feels about it. And then um, secondly, we find that he says, I'm not going to stop with one little story to verse 7. I'm, let's go on to story number 2, verse number 8. Let me tell you another. Here's a story about a woman that lost a coin in her house, and it must have been pretty valuable. It wasn't a penny. I mean, it was something of value, and she, it was bothering her. The Bible says, uh, what about this woman who had 10 pieces of silver, but she lost one of the pieces of silver? Uh, and here's what she'll do. When it turns nighttime, she'll light a candle and she'll sweep her house. She'll seek diligently till she find it. And then when all of a sudden she takes under the rug and then all of a sudden there it is. When she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together saying, rejoice with me. Oh, my goodness, did you hear the good news? Uh, I found the coin, and now the ten pieces of silver are back where they need to be. And so what was lost is now found. Oh, it is just wonderful. And so um, let me ask you a question. Have you ever lost anything that was valuable? Okay? I mean something that really cost you something. I remember when we were young, uh, just married, that my wife... Uh, uh, had this my wife's wedding ring has a bunch of little bitty diamond dust uh, things around but then there's this one diamond that you can actually see 
and it's on these uh, really rickety golden things that are clink, clink like that. And well, one day she's uh, coming upstairs, and, and uh, she happened to look at her wedding ring, and um, the diamond dust was still there. Uh, but the diamond that you could actually see was not there. It was gone. There was an empty thing. One of the things went out and it fell out. She was distraught. I mean, we had this promise that we would never take off our wedding rings unless uh, I wasn't allowed to take off my wedding ring unless she took it off for me and all of this. The wedding ring was really important to us. And so uh, for her to have lost that thing, it was just terrible. So we looked, and we looked and looked, and then finally uh, we prayed. We, I mean, we got down by our bed, and we were just, Lord, please help us find this little diamond and uh, help us to, to find that thing. And no kidding, we got up from there. She walked down the hall, and uh, she happened to look down. Something glinted, and um, it was the diamond, and, uh, and that's what it was. Have you ever lost anything that was really important to you and you were almost distressed uh, when uh, you found that you lost it? So here's what Jesus is teaching us in this area. is Not only does he care about the lost, but here's what he is also saying. You are valuable. You're wondering what he's thinking? Well, let's just rip heaven open here and Jesus is going to tell us a story and it's just going to rip it open and he's going to tell us what he, what he really thinks. Here's what he looks at when he sees the cusser the unbeliever, the ungodly, the sinner, the addicted, all of these kinds. Of, here's what he's looking at. He's saying, you are a value to me. You're valuable. You are a treasure to me. And it breaks my heart that you've been lost, that you're out from uh, the safety of the fold. You're out from my presence. And uh, so he teaches that in the mind of Jesus, in the mind of the Father, we're all valuable. And there's not one person in this room uh, that Jesus did not die for. He died for all of us, that we might be saved. He stepped out of heaven, he endured the cross, he became a man, endured death, and he died for the sins of the world, as is spoken of. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Why? So that we could be saved, right? How you... You think, what's he think of that guy, you know, that ungodly person? Here's what he thinks. You are valuable to me, and you are away from me, but I love you, and you are valuable to me. So if you are a lost person, maybe you're not close to the Lord, and only you and the Lord know these things. Uh, there's no finger putting from this pulpit. There's no, uh, you better get right, or judgment day is a coming, although it is. But, uh, you know, in all honesty... Uh, but the truth is, is that I want you to know God loves you and you are valuable to him. That's why he told the story of the woman who lost a coin is to, uh, uh, to give an example of how much, how, how much value you are to him. Does that do anything for you to know that God looks at you and he cares and that you are valuable to him? And if he were to lose you, it would be a loss. There is value to you. So he said, well, now listen, I've told you two stories here to kind of let you know, you murmuring Sadducees and Pharisees, and how you feel about me spending some time with these people who need the forgiveness that I have to offer. And I see how you feel about me doing that, but I'm here for a reason. I want you to, tell you, I want you to know how we feel, and my father and I feel about these people that I'm working with. I care about them. They're a treasure to me. And then the first thing, the last thing is, Verse number 11, 
And it goes on down through the, uh, through the end of the passage. And I won't read all of it, but essentially we know the story, I think many of us do, of a, of a young man that got tired of his dad and he said, I want my inheritance now. And the father acquiesced to the request and he gave him his inheritance. Not many days after that, the Bible says, he went on a journey and he went out of town and he spent all of his inheritance on riotous living. The big brother later on let us know, I think uh, he knew what he was doing, spending it on uh, lustful living, prostitution, etc. And uh, the Bible says that when he wasted all of that with riotous living, verse 14 says, uh, there arose a mighty famine in the land. Uh-oh, bad times are coming. And he began to be in want. He started to starve. He was hungry. He had needs and no wherewithal to meet those needs. And he went and he joined himself. He got a, he got a job with a, uh, a man who had pigs, this Jewish boy, uh, feeding these pigs. And uh, But he was so hungry, verse 16 says, all of a sudden he looked at the pig food and then he thought about how hungry he was, and he was just about to bite into the pig food. That's how low he had gone. Verse 16, he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, uh, and no man gave unto him. Uh, he was so hungry. And then all of a sudden, verse 17 says, these are the famous words of this passage. Verse 17, and then he came to himself. It was one of those V8 moments. Ah, what am I doing here? What, what in the world is going on? I'm away. I'm astray. I've, I've gone my own way. And so Jesus uh, concludes with the story of this wayward, foolish son. And um, he says, uh, I, I, I have messed up. And this coming to himself is very important. How many hired servants of my father have bread enough to eat and spare, and I perish with hunger? You know what? My dad feeds the servants better than I'm eating right now. So he's, this is the coming to himself moment, verse 18. I'm going to arise and I'm going to go to my father and I'm going to say to him, uh, Father, uh, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. What I did was horrible and I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Uh, make me one of thy hired servants. All I want to be is a servant in your kingdom. And he rose and he came to his father. He had this... He had this uh, you know, the speech all laid out for dad, right? I got the speech. I'm going to tell him uh, I was stupid. I did something that was wrong. I'm not worthy to be called your son anymore. If you would just let me be one of your servants, I would be happy with that. He had the speech all ready to go for him. And so uh, he arose and he came to his father, verse 20. And when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. And this is the reaction. What was the first thing? Compassion. The Well, I think maybe I missed the first thing. When he saw him a long distance away, it's almost as if he were looking for his son. Man, I hope my son comes back. I just, I want my son to come back, yearning for that. But as soon as he saw him, he had compassion on him. Compassion is what was the result. And then, of course, the Bible says, and this is amazing. People, commentators have have written a lot. If you have a study Bible, you get to this passage right here. I'll guarantee you, if you have a study Bible, you look down at the bottom, there's going to be a lot of notes on the, on this portion right here. Because the Bible says that the austere father ran. Not just that he was looking for him, not just that his first heart reaction was compassion, 
But the Bible says that the father ran to him. And there's all kinds of uh, talk, and you can read on it your own, but uh, back in those days with the clothing of that day, he would have had to reach down to his knees and then raise up his his, uh, skirt-type thing, his robe, so that the father could run to him. Very undignified. He was willing to be very undignified as he ran uh, to his son, but he couldn't help it. The love that he had beating within his chest overwhelmed his uh, natural idea of wanting to be uh, prim and proper and and, uh, to be austere. Instead, he just lifted up his garment and ran to his son. The Bible says he fell on his neck and he kissed him. And uh, there was no repentance up to this point, right? That, That would come. But you know what we find all the way up until verse 20? Here's what we find. We see very clearly the heart of the Father. That's what we see. And that's what Jesus wanted to portray. This is how he feels about this situation. Now, verse 21 is is an important part of this, where the Son said unto the Father, Father, I've sinned against heaven. Okay, he's on to his speech, right? I've sinned against heaven and, uh, and you and in thy sight. And then he gets down to the part of the speech I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. And then he's getting ready to give him the big, uh, but hire me as one of your servants, right? Is he able to get that part of the speech out? Hire me as one of your sons, uh, servants. No. The father had heard enough. That's all it took. He came to him, had compassion. The, the father ran to him, hugged him, kissed him on his neck. Father, I messed up. I sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. And Father, if you wouldn't mind, and he, didn't, he wasn't able to say any more. But the father interrupted immediately, and he said to his servants, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, put shoes on this boy's feet, bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost, and he's found, and they began to be merry. Praise God for Luke 15. I don't have to guess. I don't have to wonder what he's thinking or, or what he, how he feels. He makes it very clear how he feels about the ungodly, against, about the sinner. And that is, is that he cares about them. He, tr- he looks at them as a treasure that has been lost of great value. And he looks at them and he says, I am so ready to forgive you of your sins. I am ready to reconcile you uh, to me. I am ready to do that. And so uh, the father, father was ready to forgive, to reestablish the son uh, with the repentance that had barely even been uttered. Forgiveness was granted. We look at the simplicity of 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. And may I add quick to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is just waiting for the opportunity to forgive us. It's not like, well, we'll see. You come to church three weeks in a row and you read your Bible and then I'll think about it and let's reconvene at that time and let's just see if I'll forgive you. Let's see if I'll reconcile you. Prove it to me a little bit and, uh, and, and then we'll see. No, that's not the way it is with the Father. With the Father, it is, I've been waiting for this opportunity to forgive you. I've been waiting for this opportunity to reconcile you back to me. 
And he's just overjoyed at that. He says, servant, put a robe on this kid. Put some shoes on him. Put the ring back on. He's my son. And he claimed him again as one of his children. And then he said, let's kill the fatted calf. Let's have a party. Let's rejoice. And so I want you to remember today how much the father and, and, and the son uh, reveal about uh, the feelings about the sinner. Uh, when we are in our sin, he loves us. He longs for us to come to him. Uh, when we uh, were in our sin, he experiences the pain of a father uh, when we go astray. And if we come, and if we come sincerely, uh, forgiveness is, is something that will come with great quickness. And uh, it is beautiful, and it is wonderful, and it is very similar to the story in Luke chapter 15. And so what do we learn? I mean, let's just step back for a moment uh, from this passage. What do we learn? We learn this, that the Lord wants the lost to come to him and uh, to understand that he cares uh, and he is ready to forgive. See, this is what it says a couple chapters in, in forward, maybe chapter 19. This is what Jesus said about my mission. He says, hey, listen, listen, this is why I've come. The, the, uh, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. That's the reason I've come here. I'm coming here to seek and to save that which is lost. And so you are of value to me. I care, and I'm ready to forgive you. I want to reconcile you to me. There is a willing partner in heaven to reconcile mankind to him. Okay, so I learned that much about this passage, but can I just go on to that? One thing that I noted in all three of these stories, and maybe you saw it as well, is that I noticed that with each one of those, there is rejoicing. That's the common denominator, a common thread through all three stories, is that when the, when the shepherd found, he put it up on his shoulder, he went back, and he said to all of his neighbors, let's party. Hey, I, my, my sheep was lost. When the woman lost the coin and found it, she contacted all the neighbors and said, come on, rejoice with me. And when the son uh, was, came back to the father, the father said, kill the fatted calf. We're about to have a, a big shindig because there is great rejoicing, right? Uh, in all three of those. Verse 6, verse 9, verse 23. My son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. This is what we need to understand is that Jesus and the father rejoices when this ungodly, cursing unbeliever comes to the Father and finds forgiveness, finds salvation, that every time, not sometimes, every time, there is rejoicing. There's no finally. Well, it's about time you got to your senses. There's none of that. All I find is there is rejoicing uh, when this happens in the presence of the Father. You need to understand here today, and I think it's important, is that when you get right with the Lord, if you have sins in your heart, if you have sin in your life, if you're the sheep that's out wandering astray, is that when you do come to the Father, we can get all three examples ready, but each one of those ends with rejoicing. And I want you to know that when you confess your sins... When you get right with the Lord, or yea, when you even find Christ and you ask him to be your personal Lord and Savior, ask him to forgive you of your sins, and you are for the first time right with the Lord, I want you to understand there is rejoicing going on in heaven. That's the, that's the, uh, that, there's no, oh, you, it's a good thing, you barely made it. Uh, 
Boy, I, I was wondering if you were going to make it or not. There's none of that. There is just rejoicing. And verse number 10 in our text, did you see verse number 10? Let's look at it. Because Jesus is not in story mode in verse 10. That's not, it's not story mode. This is, this is what it's like. He's looking at the Pharisees and Sadducees who have all of this judgmentalness going on. And he says, this is what it's like. Uh, when he says, likewise I say unto you, Pharisees and Sadducees, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one center, sinner that repenteth. He goes, that's what's going on in heaven is that there is bells a-ringing, there are trumpets a-blaring, there is singing and rejoicing, there is a, uh, there's score, there's victory, yay! Oh, praise the Lord that he came and he found his way back to the presence of the Savior and he came uh, back and uh, repented. And it's just like great celebration. You know what? That's, that's what happens. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to talk to somebody who'd, gone astray. I don't know if you ever had the chance to lead somebody to Christ and uh, never had anything spiritual going on in their life, but then they started hearing about Christ and how that he would forgive them of all of their sins and that they could actually be right with God. And this is the biblical way of being right, is coming to Christ and saying, I trust in you as my Lord and Savior. Would you forgive me for all of the sins I've ever committed in my life? And I believe by faith that as I confess this to you and I ask this to you, that you are a willing participant and you want me to be filled. You want to fill my heart with joy. You want to fill my heart with uh, forgiveness. You want to be my Lord and my Savior. And uh, it is good for us to understand that there is rejoicing going on in heaven when that happens. There is a celebration. So when you bow your head, when you lead somebody to the Lord and they pray that prayer, I just want you to know, there you can't hear it necessarily, but I want you to know what's going on in heaven. There is a celebration going on. So don't be stubborn. Don't be rebellious. Don't, don't say, oh, I've gone too far and I'm not going to go back now. And that's just pride talking right there. I don't deserve to be, yeah, I don't, I tried the Christian, I can't live it, you know, and so I'm just going to abandon that thing. I'm not really going to, I'm not going to go back. You go back. Because the moment you come back, the moment that there is rejoicing in heaven over you coming back to the Savior. But you have to come back sincerely and honestly and ask Him to give you the victory uh, for faithfulness. And so when you bowed your head, by the way, and I pray every person in this room at one moment in your life, and I don't know if you were uh, five years old or you were 95 years old when you got saved. I hope that, anyway, I hope you get saved sometime. I want you to know that when you did trust Christ as Savior and you asked him to save you, he was ready to forgive you. He was ready to save you. And right after that happened, there's great celebration going on in heaven. And imagine the joy in heaven. And so uh, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. That's what scripture tells us today. And the third lesson that we learn from these three simple stories that Jesus told is Jesus is teaching us that, uh, and the, that for the lost, for those who are wayward, that we have a personal responsibility in this as well. You do. Uh, the, the father did not come and say, what are you doing working in this pig pit? You come home with me. And, and he didn't grab him by the, 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 the nap of the neck and start uh, walking him back like that. None of that kind of stuff. 
He waited for the sun to come back. We must come of our own volitional will and come and repent uh, before the Savior, and that's what is uh, needed. The joy in heaven is directly related to the repentance in the heart of the sinner. Uh, that is something to remember. Only through that repentance, that coming to himself, coming back to the Father, I am not worthy to be your son. Uh, I have sinned against you. I have sinned against heaven. And uh, this repentance, not going to church, well, I've done some bad things. I'm going to go to church for a month in a row, uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. What I did was bad. So i got to go all three services every week for four weeks, and that's what God's wanting from me. It is not what he's wanting from you. It's really not. Here's what he's wanting. He's wanting to come, for you to come to him with humility and say, I've sinned. Would you forgive me for that sin? And guess what? That's when the joy comes. And uh, so he, he's not waiting for you to help the poor or do some kind deed. What he loves, what the, what the Lord loves is uh, when we come to him with humility. And so that's what, that's what he says. Uh, in a couple of weeks, I mean, uh, we might look at Luke 18, and um, Jesus is actually uh, in the temple, and he's looking at two individuals praying. One is saying, thank you, God, that I'm so perfect, that I do all this good stuff, and I give tithe of every, everything that I have, and boy, I do all of this good stuff for you. Boy, I sure am good, thankful that I do all those things. And then the other is a Samaritan, and he's beating his chest, and he's saying to the Lord, He's saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He, this is what Jesus said. Here, I want to give you a little heads up here. I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Repentance is an important element in our relationship with the Lord, and he's waiting for it. He's waiting for us to come to him uh, with humility. So some people, there are times in my life, and there's times in your life where you need to come to yourself. You need to say, what am I doing and where am I at and what is going on in my life? And you need to come to yourself and we need to come to ourselves at times as well. And there is a process to that. So maybe there's a time in your life where you have to understand uh, where you're at. Where was he? Where was that young man? Where was he? He was in a foreign land, in a pig field. And then you have to say, why am I in a pig field? Why is my tummy hungry? Why... Uh, am I about to eat pig food? You have to say, why in the world am I here? You have to understand also where he had to go. What's the answer to this? Here's the answer. I've got to go back to my father. Verse number 18 said that. He said, I'm going to go back to my dad. You have to understand uh, what he had to do. And if I'm going to go back to my dad, I can't just show up and go back to my bedroom and uh, act like nothing ever happened, just all of a sudden come and sit at the table and say, hey, what's up, everybody, and how's things going? That's not going to fly. I understand why I'm here. I understand the, why the circumstances have come in my life. The consequences are bearing down upon me. You have to understand that for you to get to the path of repentance, you have to look at where your life is at now. Are you filled with joy? Are you filled with peace? Or are you filled with turmoil? Do you have problems? Yeah, I've got problems, but I don't think it has anything to do with the fact that I'm not living for the Lord. Okay, you're not ready then. You're uh, Good luck in the pig field then, okay? But when you come to yourself and you say, where am I? 
Why am I here? Why, do, why is my life turning out the way that it is? You have to understand what are you, what is the answer to that? And that is go back to the Father. And not just to show up and act like you, nothing ever happened. You've got to come back to the Father prepared to confess and to repent. And this is the process that you have to confess your failure. He had, he had to understand the, the consequences of his failure is, I'm no more worthy to be called this, thy son. That's, that's the bottom line here of my consequences. And then finally, he had to understand that the only hope was to fall down at the mercy of his father. And this is the process to come to the Lord, is just understand where you're at, why you're there, and then understand where your hope lies. And that is in confession to the Lord and finding that forgiveness and being reestablished, getting the shoes back on, getting the ring back on, getting the robe back on, and getting back in your place as one of God's children, as one of the sheep in the fold, so to speak. And that's what uh, we are supposed to do. So I think this is an important lesson for us. If you're in the sheepfold today, and if you're one of the faithful children that isn't wandering around and everything, it's also, this message is also good for you so that we don't get to a point and a place where we start looking at those who are ungodly, the cursor, the, uh, uh, the defiled, and start thinking in our mind, it's an us and them situation, and uh, boy, God's going to get you. No, uh, this is how God looks at them. He loves them. He is, they are valuable to him. Well, you don't understand. I got this guy at work, and he's the most vile guy you ever want to meet. I mean, he is a real sinner. He is one of the most, uh, his, his speech is so terrible. You, you wouldn't believe it. He's not valuable, and God doesn't love that guy. Yes, he does. Listen, listen. If Jesus can be on a cross, and people are spitting at him as he's bleeding and dying and making fun of him, and saying, if you're the son of God, come down from the cross. Oh, we'll believe you. Oh, wonderful. And uh, the mockery and the spitting and the vileness that was going on there, that does not supersede anything that you could even imagine when the son of God is being tortured upon the cross like that. And yet in this context, he looks upon them and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus knew what he was saying and he meant it in Luke 15 when he said the wayward one is loved and cared for. And the desire of the Father is that they would come back to the fold. The desire is, is that they would come back as one of their children. So it's good for us to realize he doesn't despise those people, and neither should we. They are loved. They are wayward. There are consequences that they're going to have to face, no doubt about it. And so anything we can do to help them is uh, would be uh, something that God would uh, look at. And there's verses uh, that explain that as well. So when I look at the gay man or the lesbian that's uh, spouting their belief, and we hear a lot of that these days, right? I do not look at them in disdain, or we should not look at them in disdain. They are people that have chosen a path, and it is away from God. I, I will let them know that. But I will also let them know that God loves you, and he has a plan for their life. And he cares. And if, uh, if a thief, if a robber, if a dishonest, if an immoral man or woman would come to the Lord, there would be rejoicing for that individual as well. And he teaches that that is part of our responsibility. Can I say this to you? Uh, coming back to those who may be a little off, off kilter here, maybe a little off the path, and that is this. He's done everything for you. 
I mean, he's, he has given, you talk about a softball, just lobbing that thing right up. He has made every possible uh, availability for you to be right with him. And so for you to stay in your sin is the most horrible thing in the world. When you got somebody that loves you like he does, when you got somebody that wants to forgive you like he wants to forgive you, for you to come to a service today and to be in sin is one of the most horrible things you could ever possibly do. Get that thing right. Get out from the bramble bushes and get back in the fold. He, you have a father that loves you and would do anything to get you to a point of forgiving you. He loves you. Uh, he, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 3 has a very interesting passage. And it says this, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? God lo- For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He has come to seek and to save that which is lost. I mean to tell you, but God commendeth his love toward us, right? In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loves us. He's given us everything that we need to get back into the fold. And then if at the end that we stubbornly go to our grave, unrepentant when judgment does come upon us and it will we will all be satisfied with the judgment of the greatest judge the most righteous judge of all time because he has made a way and he was ready to forgive and to allow us to have that um that opportunity it's amazing the songs that we sang today and i love the song that the ladies uh sang uh today and nathan as well uh, and talking about how much the Lord loved, how marvelous, how boundless is your love, is your love, how wonderful, sacrificial is your love for me. And then, of course, just before the message, we said, I hear the Savior say, thy strength indeed is small, child of weakness, watch and pray, find in me thy, thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washes it all white as snow. Amen. He loves you today. Don't you stay out there one day longer. Come back to him and enjoy the love that he wants to share with you because he does indeed love you. You are a treasure to him and he cares about you. You wonder how he feels about you? Just look at Luke 15 and you'll know he adores you. He's crazy about you and he's just waiting for you to come back to him. So why not come today? He's made it so available. It's right there at our fingertips. Why not come to him, get right with him, and have a relationship with him that is pure, and let him bless you because of it. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand, if you would. Father, thank you, Lord, so much for the day that you've given today, and I appreciate, Lord, all that you've done. Thank you, Lord, for moving in our midst and help us to understand how much you love us. We talk about the the fact that you love us, but we don't really understand it. Um, But boy, Luke 15 sure gives us a, a good understanding of how much you love us. It helps us to understand a little better anyway. And we appreciate, Lord, we are unlovely. Many of us are unlovable. But Father, you do love us and you care for us. Thank you for letting us know that we are a treasure to you. And I appreciate that, Father, and I thank you, Lord, for it. I pray that we would not take that for granted, but instead, Father, that we would humbly come before you anytime we get off the the path I pray, dear God, that you'd help us to realize that all we need to do is come to a Father that's ready to forgive. And we will thank you, Lord, for that. 
I pray, Lord, that you would bless this invitation time at this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed today, and I want to confess to you there have been times that I, I have been away from the Lord. I've had that uh, those moments as well. And I'm 53 years old, and I want to tell you that every time I've gotten away from the Lord, it has always amazed me and how quickly he receives me back to him, how he hears my prayer of confession and that he makes things right again. And you know what it makes me do? It makes me love him all the more because he cares about his creation so much. He cares about me. So listen, if you need to get right with the Lord and only you know whether or not you're right with the Lord or not, can I invite you to do it today? Why not on a Sunday? Why not during an invitation time with everyone's head bowed and every eye closed? Why not? Why not get serious with your creator God? Why not come to him and say, Dear Jesus, thank you for telling me how much you love me in Luke 15. And I'm just naive enough to believe it. I believe you love me. And the truth is, is I'm not living for you the way I should. Would you forgive me of my sins? I ask you, Father, to forgive me for every sin I've ever committed. I repent of it. I turn from it. I don't want to live that way. I want to be your child. Lord, forgive me for where I failed you. Listen, if you need to ask him to be your Lord and Savior, why don't you just ask him? Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Savior of the world. And I come to you right now and I ask you to save my soul. Give me the gift of eternal life. Would you come into my heart and would you be my Lord and my Savior? I give you my life today and I fall down before you and I say, please save me so that I could be one of your children. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. You've washed them as far as the east is from the west. Thank you for that. And thank you for letting me be one of your children, saving my soul. Help me to live for you from this day forward. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray these things. Amen. Listen, I'll tell you, if you pray a prayer similar to that, that's what he's waiting for. That's when he gathers up his skirt and he runs to you and he embraces you and you are his child. That's what he's waiting for. This is the secret to spiritual walk with the Lord. Humility, trust, belief that he is who he says he is and that he loves you the way he says he loves you. And to come to him by faith. Oh, I love this song. Maybe sing this today. 483, it's the Savior's waiting. Sing this to the Lord. The Savior is waiting to enter your heart.